So this morning we're going to be talking about character. And um, I'm going to seek your indulgence just for a little moment. I'll be asking random questions. So if I point at you, don't say <laughs> it as well. So we'll be talking about character this morning, what character is. And so I just want to find out from anyone in the audience who is willing to explain to me what character is. What is character? In your own understanding, what is character? Anybody, any volunteer in the audience, let me, let me come down here so that I can look like I'm, I'm, so it feels like I'm engaging with everybody, right? Um, what is character? Anybody by a show of hands? Yes, we have a hand over there. Character, this is the behavior that one portrays towards the environment. Towards the environment. Any other question? He says that character is the behavior that you portray towards the environment. Any other person? What is character? Any other hand? By your own understanding, you don't really have to get... There's no answer that's wrong. So anybody... Yes, there's a hand over here. Um, I think character is a behavior that makes one different from the other. All right, character is a behavior that makes one different from the other. I'm going to ask another question. Why do you think character is so important? Is character that important? I mean, it's just character. So do you think it's important? And if so, why? Is character important? There's a hand over here. I think character is important because it defines who you are. It defines who you are. Thank you very much. Any other person? Why do you think character is important? Any other person? All right. I'm going to ask one final question before I call up our panelists for today. Do you think character matters to God? our character? Does it matter to God? Is God concerned about how we behave when, when we are at church or when we are outside? Does it matter to God how we behave? Anybody? Anyone? There's a hand over there. Okay, someone earlier mentioned to say it has to do so much with how you act. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned to say, does it really, does it matter to God how we behave? Mm -hmm. The Bible gets to tell us to say, you cannot please God without faith, and That's faith right. without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So it really much matters to God, yes. All right, thank you so much. A hand for everybody that answered. And now I'd like to call upon Pastor Joe Kasoka to come on set so we can start this discussion. A hand for pasta.
Good morning, Pastor. Good morning. It's good to have you here. Thank you. All right, so um, we are here to talk about character. All right. Uh, something that has become common among the young people now is scandal. There's been scandals here and there. We hear stories about this young person and you're like, wow, what happened? This is a fired up brother. This is somebody I see in church every day. But sometimes these characters are hidden and they are rarely brought to light. Very rarely do you realize that someone is actually facing this problem. So, and, and, and I believe that scandals are coming from a drop. There's been such a drop in accountability and responsibility. It is therefore important that we discuss factors that lead to character failure, how we can overcome them and also discover the blessings that are assured when we walk in the Lord's expectation. You know, the Bible says that to, uh, if we are willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. Isaiah 1 verse 19. So there's such a great benefit when we begin to do or to walk in accordance with the, with the Lord's will concerning our lives. So in this regard, Pastor, I would like to find out from you, what is character? How you, do you define character? Okay. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think character in simpler terms is a summary but consistent response uh, to life around us in relation to God. Our summary response our summary but consistent response to life around us in relation to God. So it talks about the summary of our uh, behavior, but then also our values, our habits, things that are consistently relating to our lives, things that we can uh, personally identify ourselves, but also to some extent the things that can be identified uh, by others on us in, uh, in view of our relationship with God. That's right. Thank you so much, Pastor. That's very, very clear. And then I just wanted to find out, does God, um, does, how much importance does God place on character? Because sometimes we have a tendency of, you know, at church I'm known in a certain way. No, I'm, I'm, I'm known in a certain way. I'm a prayerful sister, worship worshiper but outside there they know me differently because here it's okay to put up a face and then out there it's okay I can leave as I please as long as pastor doesn't see me but then does God place importance on character does he demand that we have good character exactly he he does the Bible says uh, I think in Malachi that I the Lord your God I do not change so what God has been he will always be when you read the book of Romans, I think it should be chapter number 6, verse 1, the Bible there is bringing to our attention human tendencies uh, of trying to, to sugarcoat everything with the grace of God. And he said just because we are beneficiaries of the grace of God does not mean that God has dropped his expectation of uh, the need for us to maintain character. There is a way that God wants us to live. And he will not change for our sake. We will have to change for, our, for his sake. So that's why you see the scriptures like Matthew 6:33, where God puts his kingdom first and then adds the rest of the things. But then you also see that 
uh, in the same book, chapter number five of the Beatitudes, of how the Lord Jesus Christ emphasizes purity. And he says, without purity, you will not be able to see God. So then what that means is that if it takes purity to see God, it means there is nothing else that should be done in order to see him. Right? There has to be purity. So if I drop the standard of purity, I drop the standard of character, it means I will not be able to see God because that's the standard he has set. Let me give you a practical example. In order to register as a voter, you need an NRC. So if you go to a polling station or uh, whatever they call it now, if you go, you say, I have a driver's license, you will not be registered as a voter. He said, no, look, I lost my NRC. I have got a grade 12 certificate. I'm Zambian. You will not because there's a standard that has been set. And that standard has to be maintained. That's exactly how God is. There is a standard that he has set. And character is the standard that is going to enable us to see God. So if we do not have the character, then we will, unfortunately, not be able to see Thank you so much, Pastor. And then I know that there's been a number, a number of challenges that have actually, a number of challenges that have led to the character, to sort of the character drop that we are seeing in, in a lot of young people. And in this regard, would you please share some of those challenges that you think have led to young people now beginning to compromise their character, if I were to put it that way? Uh, well, there are plenty of them. Maybe I can give maybe three or four. Uh, one of the, the common routes to people compromising in terms of their character is, can be found in the book of James chapter number one. In James chapter number one, you will notice that the progression of the challenges that James is talking about in verse two specifically says rejoice when you go through various challenges. But then by the time you come to uh, think verse 8 you see there the Bible now begins to talk about our relationship with temptation and you see there's a tendency to give in to temptation when we do not put our desires in check so one of the common factors that leads to character failure is when we are not putting our desires in check when we are not monitoring our desires, right? Let me give you a very common uh, uh, example. It's easy for me to tell that I have got a desire for lust based on the things that I permit in my ears and in my eyes. If, for example, we are talking to the young people so I should be able to be as blunt as possible. I'm watching a movie and in the movie, I notice lady and man are getting closer. You see that my decision at that moment is going to show what desires are in my heart. Do I want to continue watching them until they do whatever has to be done because now it's common thing in, on TV? Or I'm going to change the channel or switch in the TV, whatever is going to think. So if that particular instance encourages me to watch more, it means that's the desire that I already have in my heart. But if that thing irritates me and makes me want to leave, and eventually makes me leave, it means that I do not have that desire. 
Let me give you another practical example of how people fail to control or to, be, to put their desires in check. When somebody falls into sin and they are talking to him, you can even tell how they are talking to him. You are falling into sin. Your friends, they, they work. These things you need to be hiding. You can't now look at you. It means that the person does not think it was wrong. They only think it has become wrong because it's in public domain. So you see that it means the person advising me equally has got that desire. Probably they have fallen into the same sin, but they have just not been found out. That's one thing. The second thing that causes the factor that leads to people uh, falling into uh, you know, uh, sin, impurity, is when we are not accountable. All right? We are living in a generation where the temptation to listen to what is being spoken on TV or on radio is stronger than the wisdom to listen to our parents or be accountable to our leaders or even our pastors. So you find that in most cases, the pastor only finds out there was an issue when now we are trying to firefight to solve a problem. And the question that the pastor always asks is, where were you all this time when this relationship started? Where were you when you started this job? Where were you when you got into this business line? But now you are coming back because there is a difficulty. So when people stop discussing what they are doing with somebody they are accountable to, it usually becomes like a passport to failure. I'll give you a, a very practical example. Um, my father always used to say that if you want to sin, you should come and ask me for permission. So if you want to go and steal somewhere, come and ask me for permission. The fact that you will be scared to ask me for permission to go and steal means that you know that it is wrong. But then when you are doing something and you are hiding it from somebody, it means you already know that it is wrong. All right? You don't need to be told that it is wrong. But then because you are not accountable, it becomes easy for you to go ahead. The Bible in James chapter number 5, James chapter number 5 says something very interesting and it's a discipline that has become very rare among the believers. It's called the discipline of sharing our sins one with the other, all right? Confessing our sins one to the other. And it says that confess your sins one to the other and you will be healed. Most of the times when we are going through challenges. We do not have a person that is reliable that we can share with that will uh, protect us but also help us. Why is it important to share with somebody that you can rely on, that you can count on? It's very simple. It's because if today I share with somebody that I stop, share with you that I stop, Sister Rachel, uh, would you pray with me? You know, I really feel very bad and you pray with me. Then tomorrow I still, again, when I come to you, the response is going to be obvious. Mm, bro, yesterday you stole, now again you've stolen. So you see that the next time I will have the instance of trying to steal, I will remember that if I go back to her, she's going to tell me that I'm actually not serious now because now this is going out of hands. So you see that that accountability aspect is very important for our moral development. The third factor that would obviously lead to somebody failing uh, in their character is the company we keep. 
Our Father in the Lord, Bishop, always says, you are a good person. The only problem you have is the choice of friends that you have picked. Most of the times, we may be doing our best. If you've got friends that discourage prayer, you will soon stop praying. If you've got friends that discourage, you know, those ones that criticize, no, you are holier than thou. You know, you think that you are the only ones who will make it to heaven. We will also make it. Nice to come on, but again. You know, there are those types of people. As long as you entertain them without knowing, you will soon start dropping your standards. Because we become like our friends. We become like the people we relate to. So you see that many times we tolerate them. No, if I leave them, who is going to save them? Well, you didn't die for their sins. So what makes you think that you should be the one to save them? The best we can do is pray for them and evangelize to them. But if they refuse to change, maybe their time has not come. Or maybe the Lord is going to use somebody else to minister to them. But we cannot stay with people that have corrupt morality and expect that we are going to change them. I've seen young people dead, a non-believer, and believe that they could change them. Well, if the Lord Jesus Christ hasn't warned them at that time, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is so much better than you, what makes you think you are going to win them? If the Lord Jesus Christ has decided not to change them at that time, or maybe they themselves have decided not to be changed, what makes you think that you, in all your wisdom, can change them? So the, the nature of the company we keep, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. When we just start entertaining friends, that do not respect God, we will soon start believing God doesn't exist. When we start entertaining friends that are disobeying parents, we will soon start challenging our parents. When we entertain friends that are okay with watching pornography, well, we will soon be watching it. Why? It's because we slowly become like those that we are entertaining. We slowly become like those that we are keeping in our midst. Thank you. It's very clear. I like the, the second aspect about accountability. Sometimes it's, um, I like what you said about your dad, saying that you must always ask him for permission whenever you want to, to do something wrong. I feel like that is a very, very important uh, aspect as young people to keep when it comes to molding our character. And by the way, character is not something that you build in a day. It is something that you, it's things that you do over time, your little habits that eventually become character. And so, I've, thank you so much, Pastor, for highlighting that. It's necessary, it's actually very important for us to be able to deliberately be accountable to somebody so that we are protected and our character is not, because if I'm accountable to you, Pastor, you don't see me for three weeks. You don't hear anything from me for three weeks. Obviously, you will check what's going on with Rachel. That way, It'll be very difficult for me to, even when I'm about to make wrong decisions, I will know that this pastor, pastor, if pastor knew that I'm doing this, what would happen? So thank exactly. you so much, pastor. But then there's another thing, there's another question that I have for you. Why do you think as young people, we are failing in our moral responsibility? Because it is a responsibility for us to be morally upright. It is actually what God demands of us. But many of the times we find ourselves failing. Why do you think that is? Basically, it starts with the foundation. How you have built your foundation. 
is going to determine um, how you respond to the various pressures that come. You know, there's a tendency with young people to actually believe that they're the only ones going through the pressure they're going through. And, uh, you know, when, when they've got financial pressure, you know, they feel like, you know, that um, I'm really, I'm really, you know, under this pressure and, and, you know, it's me against the world. You know, somebody told me that, well, uh, when somebody dies, it's okay to feel that the world has ended. But the next day you wake up, you find the world is still there. So you see that there's a tendency of problems withdrawing us from reality. That feeling like we are the only ones going through what we are going through. That feeling like this is the most reasonable response that we can give. But when, usually when a person fails, it's usually because of something that they did not do in the past. The warnings were there. Pastor taught us last Sunday that you see, the fox could have been there, but it was entertained. So in our foundation, is a person having the word in them. Because these are things that matter when problems arise. These are things that matter when temptation comes. In our lives, are we praying? Because there's a tendency among human beings to start praying when they're in problems. That's when you see all kinds of warfare prayers because now they're in problems. But when the problems are solved, they stop praying. We forget that these disciplines, and you know, most of the times we think that these disciplines are being done for the benefit of God. God doesn't need to read the Bible. He knows the Bible. And sometimes we read the Bible for the sake of the brethren. So, you know, those days when you are, you are the one that is teaching at the cell group, you will read the Bible. You will read it very well. You will read it, you will memorize it, you will rehearse it because it's a word for somebody else. And that attitude, unfortunately, takes away responsibility from us. We begin to think, all right, I am not responsible for, for ensuring that I, I live a right life. Uh, you know, the, the person that I am teaching should live a right life. So it's important that we look at our foundation. How is our foundation? And checking on our foundation is effective when we are honest with ourselves. Sometimes you need to be honest with yourself that, Joe, you, you are lying. You know, this problem of lying, you know, is a problem and you need to, to come to grips that this is actually destroying you. Because if I do not confront myself, the foundation has already been destroyed. The, book, the Bible in the book of Psalms says, if the foundation be destroyed, even the people who are trying to help, you can go only go that far. So you see that we need to look at our foundation. Where is our faith being founded? Is it being founded on the word or is it being founded on opinion? This is so much opinion around us where people are even confessing the things that are not in the Bible. Why? It's not because, it's because their faith, their walk with the Lord is not founded on the right thing. Every house that has the wrong foundation, a weak foundation, will at one time or another fall. Every person that is built on the wrong foundation, on a weak foundation, will soon fall into temptation. So we need to look at our personal foundations. Those to mamanarisms, you know, quite about mamanarisms, that you know that, okay, these to mamanarisms, the day they will pop up, they will be embarrassing. So you know that it is wrong. Those are some of the 
foundation of flaws that we need to start working on. Unfortunately, the devil is very clever. As much as he is bad, he is very clever in a cunning way. He will always, he will not always expose a person. He always waits for your moment of glory. The time when it matters most, that's when he exposes you. When you are just about to be ordained as an elder, then the devil exposes you. And you're wondering, where was you all this time? When you are just about to, to think, that's when you, you, are, you get exposed. Haven't you wondered that you go for a job interview, the thing you are not paying attention to the most is the thing they emphasize on. And you're wondering, so all these things, they've skipped them, they're asking about this particular thing, and that's what you didn't study. We've been in exams before, you've read everything else, and have forgotten that one thing, when you go in the exam, it's the first question. The first thing you would almost do is raise your hands and say, teacher, this one was not in the syllabus, but it was in the book. So you see that many times we begin to encourage character flow when we don't pay attention to our foundation. It's very critical that we pay our attention to our foundation. How can you know that your foundation is not strong? Just look at how you respond to things. If you hear that somebody has has impregnated someone. You see, when you celebrate, it means your foundation is wrong. It means there's a problem. Why are you celebrating that somebody has fallen? It means there's a problem with your foundation there. You are supposed to feel grieved that something wrong has happened. When we see things on TV and they don't move us, wrong things, it means our foundation is wrong. Because our foundation is supposed to give us the capacity to know what is wrong and what is right. So when we see something wrong, and well, you know, there are, there are people, something wrong is happening, and you know, it's, they don't feel anything, they don't feel bad, they don't feel grieved. It's not that it doesn't relate to you. It just shows that in your foundation, you do not see that as an important aspect. So it's important that as a believer, we start working on our foundation. Start reading the word. Start praying. Take a day to fast. Over your life three times at least in a day. And ensure that you are conscious. We were born again, born again in 98. When I was born again, the, the instruction that was given is that among the things that you need to do to appreciate your salvation is you need to share with somebody. Tell somebody that I'm born again now. Because if you tell them the next time you are going to smoke together, that person will remember, ah, bro, I thought we were my believers, man. But my believers never them. So you see that just the fact that you've announced your faith is already a foundational score. But you see, most of us keep the faith to ourselves. Sometimes even at our schools, nobody knows we're a believer. Even at our workplaces, nobody knows we are a believer. I, I mean, I, I was listening to a testimony of one gentleman, you know, how we were speaking well of his friend. And we we're telling them, you know, this one, we've been got to the same church, and you know, these, these are the brothers that push. And we're saying, uh, which brother? Like, that brother said, yes, that brother. And he said, that brother is, is not saved because as far as we know at work, he has more scandals than the people that don't believe. So you see that he didn't announce that he was a Christian. Because if he did, he would have known that, okay, let me respond to these types of problems like this. So that's basically how we can handle it. Let's look at our foundation. 
how is our Christian foundation? Is it shaky or it is strong? Because if it's not, we may find ourselves backslidden and asking for help. That's right. That is very, very clear. And I think I just really, really like, we are allowed to clap. <laughs> we can clap. <laughs> There's uh, something you've mentioned about announcing our faith, letting our friends know. There's this thing that we hear every time in society. Uh, because we don't really announce our faith, maybe for fear of, maybe we haven't really stopped doing the things that we were doing and so want to still be comfortable, you know, have it both ways. Mm. There's, there are times when you meet people, they'll tell you, Vaja, Already that is such, um, I think that is bringing the, the, the name of the Lord you sort of to disrepute mm -hmm. because we, we are known as Christians. Here everybody knows us as Christians, but out there, mm -hmm. I, I, I hope I said it correctly. And then you find that person, like, they drink, they do all sorts of things. Then you need to now begin to check your character. I think that is very, very important. If the non-believers cannot differentiate if they can't see something to distinguish you from the other people out there, then just know that your character is probably being compromised. Exactly. And then uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask you, Pastor, is that we live in a time where there's so much pressure out there. The young people are under pressure in every aspect. They see their friends dressing all sorts. They see their friends doing and saying all sorts of things. And... Um, Quite all right, they are Christians. They have built their character. They are good children. They are good young people. But the pressure is mounting. The pressure is mounting. The people out there, because we are living in a time where I've got to have it. By crook or hook, I need to have it. So people will do all sorts of things just to keep a facade. And so you find as young people in the church, we begin to gravitate towards what the world is doing. And then we will be like, you know, if they're doing it, everyone else is doing a matter as well. After all, we're living in a time of grace. Mm. But then it's been made very clear from the time we started this, this discussion that our character matters to God. And so I want to ask you a question, Pastor. How can a young person, first of all, develop and then protect? Because there's need to protect. You can develop a good character quite mm. all right. Mm. But protecting it is another. So then how does one young person develop and protect that character in the midst of the wickedness that is happening now? Because there's so much going on. Thank you. It's true there's a lot of pressure. And uh, I think the majority of the pressure, especially among the young people, is to appear like you're making it. And now with the coming in of Facebook, you have Instagram, and you've got all these you know, people posting. And you know we've got very good cameras that you know, you amplify even what is looking bad looks good. You know, for me, who is dark in complexion, I look even much lighter now and shiny. And you know, there's this temptation for people to begin to think, okay, what I'm watching there, uh, I think my life is behind. You know, we, there's, there's so much pressure to appear like being successful than actually to be successful. You know, I, there's, there's, I remember a long time ago, Probably mid last year, uh, Pastor Mwapi had posted something, I think, on, 
on uh, one of the WhatsApp groups. And he had posted a picture of Bill Gates, and uh, he was seated next to the Facebook gentleman, Mark Zuckerberg. And if you looked at their clothes, it wasn't denim. It wasn't uh, post myth. You know, it wasn't one of these, you know, in fashion things. It was some t-shirt they probably picked somewhere and just, you know, you know, like one of those things where you just get it and hang it on your body and then you go for an interview. And he made a statement at the end that it's better to be successful than to appear to be successful. The reason why youths are getting into debt, the reason why young people are getting into illicit relationships is because they want to appear like. They want to appear Kardashian. You know, they, they want to be there, there. So you find that somebody's wearing bling, but all that is borrowed and is running away from one person to the other, trying to, you know, cover up themselves. And people keep getting from one debt to the next, to the next, to the next. Before you know it, somebody has started stealing. Before you know it, somebody is doing deals at work. So now they're spending most of the time doing deals and actually working. Before you know it, I have been to shops where you go to the shop, the employee in the shop is telling you that one is 1,500 kwacha, but you know, Kulianet Gori sites 900. So if we just walk outside, Zakulangizani Kamene, you know, it's Nakevin, genuine. And I'm wondering what's going on. The only reason the person has gotten into that problem is because they want to appear like successful. They promise that they are there, there when they are not. Sometimes we promise, you know, no, I leave this side. No, we are levels like this. Uh, but then in reality, you are not. We, the young people, are the ones who are usually guilty of such things like you are in a relationship. In a relationship, you need to say the truth. Brethren, let's be saying the truth in a relationship. Because brothers will go like, no, uh, no, I think I am good, I'll just eat crisps. But in your heart, you know that that Ishima would have ministered to eat. But no, I think, I think crisps, I think it's just fine, and water. And you look at the sister now munching the whole quarter chicken. And in your heart, you are thinking, this sister could have insisted at least that I should give you something. It's because we want to appear like we are in charge. I've seen brothers who have heard of them that they have taken a sister out and in their heart they know that the, the money I have is only for one meal. And they take her to an expensive place. You know, and then they end up paying everything and then are struggling to say bye because they don't want to see, to them, to see them that they're actually walking back home. We need to be truthful in a relationship. Be truthful from the tribe that you came. You can't change the tribe that you are in. Be truthful that you are a believer. Tell the person that you are a believer and there are certain aspects you can't do in a relationship because you are a believer. You need to, there has to be honesty about everything. Most of the times we lie to ourselves that we are there when we are not yet there. We will get there, but maybe we are not yet there right now. So it's important not to try to appear successful. It's actually important to be successful. 
to start working towards success. All right? So don't get yourself into places where you end up borrowing. If you can't manage to, to buy MAC powder, well, there are other powders that people can mistake for MAC powder, which are cheaper. Amen, sisters. Yes, nobody is... It's, it takes an expert to know that he powder simaki. The majority of us would be deceived that, ah, I think that is back powder. Even the hair that the ladies do, it only takes an expert to know that this hair is cheap. The majority of us wouldn't know, after all, we have been in the presence of the living God, so we care more about the presence rather than the price of your hair. But most of the times there is this tendency for us, we, we actually create a scenario in our own mind that one on Iran, what hairstyle, hairstyle. No, you, you need to be, to be very, very careful with the pressure that the world throws on us. If you can't afford to buy extension, there's what we call natural hair. It's not evil. In fact, for the ladies when they have natural hair, they actually still equally look okay. You know, you, you do not have to, to appear like you are there. So you have got somebody who is wearing Peruvian hair or wearing Brazilian hair or wearing, you know, those expensive brands. But they don't have 50 kwacha to go home. So then now, you know, and in your mind you're wondering, so how did they manage that head? And then they can't manage their feet. There are people when you look at the phone, just the phone itself, when they are asking you for 100 kwacha, you think they are joking. It's because when you look at the phone, it's the sum of us phone. And then they are asking for 100 kwacha. So you are refusing not because you don't have. It's because you are thinking, well, I think the sister is just joking or the brother is joking because the level at which they are, they can't ask for this. So you see that we want to appear like when we are not. There are simple things that we can do in order for us to manage the pressure that the world is constantly throwing on us. The first thing we need to do is to know who we are and know who we are not. Somebody said knowing who you are can also be as important as knowing what you are not. You need to have a personal identity. If you are a believer, you need to have a believer's identity. But further on, in that belief that you are in, there are also identities that differentiate us from one from the other. These days when you hear people are going to Dubai, everyone wants to go and order things to Dubai. You, you bring your things from Dubai, no one buys. The friend that they, they, they have bought, you start wearing the clothes. I think is It's because you did not know your identity. You need to have a personal identity. You need to know who you are. If you do not talk too much, you need to understand that you will thrive when you talk less. So trying to talk a lot, you will always be feeling guilty after you've spoken. So why? It's because you are rejecting who you are. It's important that you know who you are is very important. Know your identity as a believer. Know your identity as a person then when you do that, it will be easy for you to know that, okay, that one I think I can't associate myself with it. This next one I can't associate myself with it because you know who you are. 
Let me give you a, in, in football, as a football example. The striker knows who they are. They are not going to be sitting in, the, in their goal trying to help the goalkeeper to hold the ball. They know who they are. So if the keeper is fading, it's the coach's job to change the keeper. Sometimes we feel the pressure to fulfill another person's destiny. We are not, and especially this is very common in a relationship. People get in a relationship, we feel under pressure to, feel, to fulfill the destiny of our friend. Suddenly you used to be a worshiper, you are praying now six hours, manje tongues. The whole night now, the, the, during the day, you are dozing. Because now you are dating an intercessor. No guy, because you are a brother. So now the sister now knows in her heart, she knows that, hmm, but okay, this intercession give us grace. And you notice that you are not recovering. That's probably not your identity. You may not be exactly who that person is. We've got identities that are different one from the other. And knowing who we are is going to deliver us from trying to be who we are not. That's very important. It will protect you. There are people's personality, they, can, they have got the energy to manage to post on Facebook every day. But there are others posting something in a week is really hard work because they simply don't have the revelation to post. So you see that you need to understand just because you are seeing somebody posting, you know, to my inspiring things and people are liking them, you also feel under pressure to post. Then you post something wrong, people, instead of people liking it, they become angry with you. And they're wondering, you know, I am experiencing rejection. No, it's not rejection. You failed to identify who you are and live by it. So it's important that we know who we are and who we are not. Secondly, we must have the big picture in mind. We need to have the big picture. Remember that you've got a future. Remember that you are going to have a family. The same way you are calling your father dad, somebody will be calling you dad. The same way you are calling somebody mom, somebody will be calling you mom. The same way you call somebody grandma, is the same way somebody will be calling you. But you know one thing I've noticed in life is that, well, the parents that poorly invested in their lives, it's difficult for them to convince their children that they had anything inspiring. So you know, I've heard of some, a lot of people telling us, us, we used to be beating. You know, we used to beat everyone in the class. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, but you were beating everyone in the class. So what, what happened? You know, where did you fail? You must have the bigger picture in mind. Remember that you have got 60, 70, 80 years ahead of you. And the amount of response you have to life around you is going to determine whether you even make it to that uh, eight years. But then also, you need to remember that if you do not protect yourself in terms of your character, your, your reputation, but then also your body, by the time that your character, you will need your character, your character will not be there to protect you. Most of the times, the Bible, even the Bible also alludes to that, most of the times we find ourselves, there's an opportunity, but we can't get that opportunity because there's something we failed to do. There's something we couldn't do. There's something that we could have done better, but we didn't. There are times you, 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 you are at the workplace 
and people now, the time to promote them has come. And suddenly you are left out and you go to the HOD or the, whoever is responsible for promoting and they tell you, you know, the other time you didn't uh, surrender the, 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 the money that you, you came back with petty cash. And you don't know, you could have told me, no, we don't tell. Character, we just see it and leave you like that. And so you, you disqualified me just for that. Yes, you were disqualified. I always wondered why did Jacob, was Jacob preferred to Esau? Why did Jacob end up getting the blessing that belonged to Esau? It was very simple. Esau's choices. Because Esau was under pressure to marry. If you read the Bible, you, 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 you can imagine that Esau was the six-pack type of brother. You know, then George, Jacob was the one-pack. Berry brother. And the Bible says Esau married two wives and they were a source of grief to their parents. In other words, Rebecca and Isaac were crying every day because of their daughters-in-law. There must have been daughters-in-law that were lecturing their mother-in-law. So, what type of mother-in-law are you? You are living in the past. This is now, you need to give us. And the Bible says they were a source of grief. But Jacob, he was always with the parents, always talking to the parents. When the time came to bless, you, it was natural that Jacob was going to get the blessing. Because even when Jacob was about to marry, I'm not saying they should now ask your parents to take you to marry, because the parents in that sense is actually God. When Jacob was meant to marry, it was the father who gave him instructions on the nature of person. Go to my relatives. It's like God now is instructing the person. But how many of us would entrust God with the opportunity to choose our spouse? Because people think the will of God is meant to destroy our lives. So what happens most of the times is the person has gotten into a relationship by their personal will. Then when the problem arises, they want God to change it into his will. So, Father, come through in this relationship. And God is telling you, no, you didn't consult me when you were starting it. So get your own anointing to manage it. So you see that the inevitable always comes to pass. Those relationships usually come to an end. But then further on, the pressure comes in because of our responses to our body. And that is the third thing that we need to be aware about. How do we respond to our body? How do we manage our body? If it comes to morality failures, it's just basically how we manage our bodies. You know, I was, I was, we were taught a, a, a theory, which in my opinion is not entirely true. They say if you are sexually active, then you should use this and this and this. There is no human being there is no youth who is sexually inactive. As long as the blood is flowing in the body, that person is active. He is capable of falling. You need to remember that one. So some people have convinced themselves that they're sexually active more than others. You will be destroyed by that activity of yours. You need to understand your body. And you need to manage it very well. When those pressures come in, the pressure to fall into sin of masturbation, of pornography, of sleeping with somebody, 
it's important that you avoid things that encourage them. We do lots of deliverance as pastors. And you know, one of the things that can be frustrating is to constantly deal with somebody that never learns from the lessons that they've been falling in. The, I mean, never learns from the evils they've been falling into. Pastor, today I have fallen. Okay, so let's pray. Uh, confess, they confess. Father, have mercy. Deliver. They get delivered. Okay, go. One week later, Pastor, I don't know what to now say. I have fallen again. Now I don't even know where to face you, Pastor. says, no, you don't have to face me. Just face God. Okay, come, come back. We, let's pray. And you see that as a pastor, you have to have the spirit of patience. And we patiently pray with the person. And, well, God will constantly be helping the person. But something you need to understand is that you are delaying your own life. You are destroying your own life. My sister one time made a statement, and I have always remember that statement. She said, the Bible says seven times a righteous man will fall and he will rise again. That's a very good verse. How many know that's a very good scripture? But guess what? When you keep falling, your friends are moving forward while you, your job is just rising. So you will just be rising, you fall. Then you rise again, you fall. But your friends who are not falling, they are moving forward. Then the same, you are the same one who is going to complain, oh, what's going on? My friends are blessed, me, I'm not blessed. No, you are falling. So you are blessed in the realm of forgiveness. But then your friends who have already experienced forgiveness, they need to be blessed in another area. Isn't it? So stop falling. Things like sexual sin, it causes delay. I've seen it again and again in people's lives. It just delays everything else. How many people here have fallen into a sexual sin and you knew that you were, going to, you were about to break through, but suddenly that breakthrough died a natural death? You were just about to break through and you became under pressure, you masturbated. And by the time you woke up, you didn't even have the confidence to believe that thing. And suddenly it has gone out. Why? It's because you will fall. You will rise, but you will be behind. So in order to avoid being behind, you need to understand the body that you have and the consequences of not taking care of it well. I read of a story, and that story I'll, always for, uh, I'll never forget it. And the reason I'll never forget it is because I'm an economist by training. There was this story of an economist we were very, very proud of and we always wanted to associate ourselves with him. He was the director of the, the International Monetary Fund. And you know, when young economists, we are in the second year of our courses and you are dreaming of those being the governor of Bank of Zambia, being of this, and we are dreaming of those. And this gentleman was leading the IMF at that point. But he had a history. Now, here is what happened. France was experiencing problems after problems. It was during the days of Nicolas Sarkozy, who was the president then. And, uh, and he was, it was obvious that he had failed, according to the French uh, public, to rule the country. And guess what? Everybody thought this gentleman who is the director of the IMF is going to lead France to the next level. So the party sat, they even nominated him, and they were waiting for him. And this gentleman resigned from the IMF because he was going to be the president of France. He resigned 
got on a flight. While he was on a flight, a woman came and said, this gentleman raped me. So while he is flying, there is an accusation where he is coming from. While he is flying, France hears of that accusation. While he is still on the flight, the party that nominated him to lead them changed their mind. So by the time he arrives in France, he left as a hero in the United States, but arrived as a villain in France because his history has started speaking. And the most annoying part, that was not annoying because obviously he was going to confess and maybe he was going to move on and do something else. The most annoying part of it is that after all the mess happened and he ended up not being picked and somebody else won the elections and became president, the woman who accused him and took him to court withdrew the case and said, you know what, I think let's just end this here. And I was wondering, why didn't this woman withdraw the case all that time? But that's what the devil does to us. He will not withdraw the case until you fail to inherit your glory. Then after you fail, then he will withdraw the case. And this man has never risen again because of that failure. It was something done years in the past. It couldn't be proven by medical means. But people were saying, no, she has got a point. She can't just claim. When they asked his wife, the wife said, well, he had a problem with immolarity. I think I have known that we've raised our children out of patience. That's why I didn't leave him. So it is possible he could have done it. So even his own wife knew that he was capable of destroying. The past haunted him. If we do not deal with the pressure now, the past will find us in the future. And it is going to be a major problem to deal with. You've heard of politicians, how they've been destroyed. Because now they're about, and especially in the West, the politician just suddenly pops up and is popular, and you know that this one is the leading figure is about to win. Then a scandal arises. And from nowhere, the scandal destroys the person, and he ends up losing the vote. Why? When we don't handle the pressure now, it is going to fail us in the future. Thank you so much, Pastor. That is, that's, I think let's just give him a clap. I know that you've spoken so much about some of the things that have led young people to fall into these problems or eventually scandals. But and I'd like to highlight one major problem that young people are facing also in our, in, in our time. And I think that is you know, competition. You feel like uh, you are in a race of some sort. You feel like these people have outrun me. But I think one thing that we all should note is that we, God has paved for each and every one of us our own unique race to run. There can only be one Rachel with one assignment. There can only be one Pastor Joel exactly. with one assignment. And as such, I shouldn't be pressured when someone who is seemingly to do what I, sh I think I should be doing because sometimes we just assume that this is what I should be doing but sometimes it's very important as we build our character to ask God to open our eyes to see exactly where we ought to be mm. so we don't get to get this identity crisis because I think the major reason apart from competition is also an identity crisis that you had spoken about and I think also I'd like to talk about Gehazi in the Bible mm -hmm. Gehazi was the right-hand man of Prophet Elisha. Yes. 
Prophet Elisha was the right-hand man of Prophet Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. Exactly. And when Elijah was taken up, what happened? Elisha took a double portion of, of what was upon Elijah, right? And uh, you would want to think that Gehazi should have maybe taken a sevenfold of what was on Elisha, but he had character problem. He had, and character, as someone had, I was reading somewhere in the morning, says, character is what you do when no one else is looking. So Gehazi thought, you know what, my master, how could he deny God clothes in this time when things are so bad? Like, you know, in this time of COVID, things are bad. And then he goes behind uh, the, 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 the prophet's back and says, you know what, we have guests that have just come. Give us some of these things. And then, you know, he got those things. Yes. You know, he got those things and, you know, he went back and pretended. Mm. Then El Elisha says, where have you been? Mm. Says, no, I says, no, but wasn't my spirit with you when you went mm. and caught up with uh, Naaman's, you know, in Torage. Exactly. And as such, he was cursed and he ended up inheriting um, leprosy in, instead of getting what was upon his, uh, his, his man of God, the person that he was taking care of. So mm -hmm. we need to be very, very careful how we, we, we behave, even when people are not seeing, because exactly. at the end of the day, it's not the pastor. It is not the people that we look up to that will bless. Yes, they'll speak some things, mm. and when, those, when they speak those things, they can happen, mm. but I think the final judgment is from God who's all-knowing. Yeah. He sees everything, and so we, I just wanted to bring that out mm -hmm. for us young people. We need to be extremely careful how we live very, our very lives. Very, yeah. Yes, mm. and so as we wind up, pastor, I just wanted to ask you, because I know that God would never ask us to do, I like what you said in the very beginning, that when God tells us to do something, it is not for his benefit. God, he, when God says, obey me, it's not for God's benefit, it is for our benefit. So then, what are some of those benefits that will come as a result of living a righteous life? Well, the blessings of the Lord come in three ways. Um, I would like to read from from the book of Matthew chapter number 5, uh, Matthew chapter number 5, the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The blessings of the Lord come in three ways. They relate to your effort, they relate to his decision, and also they relate to your morality. Those are three ways. Now, what happens is that the first two I have mentioned are affected by your choice in terms of your moral standing with the Lord, right? So you see that our efforts are watered down when our morality is not right because the scandal will soon find us and we'll start spending that money that we have had earned in order to cover up the scandal. So you have to hire a lawyer and you have to, you know, maybe pay the bills and you know it's more expensive to, to, to look after uh, a problem than it is to actually avoid it. So the blessings, there are many of them, but I want, I want to explain to, to you just in that one sense. Here the Bible says you are blessed when you live pure. How? Because you shall see God. What is to see God? Is to see him at work in your life is to see him bless you. It is to see him do things for you. You see that when we 
are not right with God, it is difficult for the advocate to speak on our behalf. Because we are deliberately living in sin. When we monitor our character, number one blessing that happens to us is that we attract the things of God to us. You see, there are a lot of times when people feel under pressure to pray for things is because they are aware that probably they are not living right and they will need to, you know, speak a lot of times for it to happen in their lives. So you find the person keeps claiming, but there is no manifestation, and they never ask themselves, why is, not, is it not manifesting? It could be that maybe I am failing God in my morality. Could there be something that I am not doing right with the Lord? So the, when I am pure in heart, I attract the presence of God. And the Bible says where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty. That word liberty means, also can mean generosity. All right? It means that God will not just come to you and leave you empty. When he comes, he will begin to give you the things that you need. Let me give you a practical example. Before Adam sinned, you notice that Adam wasn't praying for things. He wasn't even aware he needed the things. Because God was just bringing Adam this, uh, he names it, okay, this one is hippo, uh, the next one lion, this one, I think uh, this one looks uh, weird, it's an elephant, this one, he would name them. Then the Bible says, then God, the Godhead sat and said, have you observed that this man, you know, it's not good that he's alone. And Adam, meanwhile, was on his own. God was on his own, and the Bible says, then God didn't come to ask Adam, what do you think? Uh, can we give you something suitable? You know, nobody came to ask him. The God had decided that let us look for a suitable help for him. While he was concentrating on his morality activities, the things that God was expecting him to do. So when we do what is right, you will see that there are many things that we feel under pressure to pray about. They will naturally come. What does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 6, 33? He says we should seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Not all these things you will pray for them. All these things will be added unto you. So when I concentrate on my walk with the Lord, things start getting added. When the time for marriage comes, I just get married. When the time for job comes, I get recommended. When you see that things begin to go your way in terms of God because you are living right with him. But the second blessing of us living a right life with the Lord is the ability to sustain what we have received. That is where the challenge usually is. Because God will give us because we are his children. Our fathers give us even when they know we are capable of, of a weakness. But they'll still give us because they love us. But then when I am not walking right with the Lord, what happens is that myself lose the capacity to keep what God has given me. Because remember that everything God has given me, the devil wants to get it. And the only way the devil will get it is when I give him an open door. The only way an open door comes is when there's a character flaw in my life. 
certain warfares that we fight is not because the devil uh, doesn't like you. It's because you have invited him by your character. There are certain battles, you have battle after battle. You need to ask yourself, why is the, this battle not ending? It could be there is something in my life that is encouraging the enemy. When we live a right life in the eyes of the Lord, the Lord will give us the grace to sustain the things that we have. He will give us the grace to keep the things that we have. Look at Abraham, for example. Abraham, whatever he received, he never lost it. Abraham had over 300 servants. He was a very powerful employer. All the employees were still there. Why? Because he was living right before the Lord. He never lost it. I always say that you see, when the, the Holy Ghost comes upon a person, there is usually a noise. When he comes, there is even an announcement that the Holy Ghost has arrived. You even get slain and the like. But when he leaves, he doesn't announce. You just, he should just be silent. It's easy to receive. It's harder to sustain. So holiness allows us to access the best that God has. Holiness also allows us to sustain the things that we have received. But number three, and lastly, holiness also determines the quality of the things we receive. The Bible in the book of Timothy says this. It says that in, the, in a house, there are many vessels. And if you were in a Zambian setup, you have got wooden vessels. You have got, uh, those days we had banana cups and uh, pineapple cups. You know, they made cups that looked like banana, but they were plastic ones. Then you have got metallic ones. You know, when it falls, even the people the other side here, then you have got those ones that only were done if you are being visited by the chief at home. Or if you know that somebody important is coming. And the Bible says that the important vessels will only be used based on their character. Then the, the unimportant vessels will be used for any mundane thing. Because in that you get a wooden thing. Or you get a, a bucket. Those days we had metallic buckets. Now we have got plastic ones. So that, and your parents were not worried, even if it falls, they know that the plastic bucket is 15 kwacha in a plastic shop. So they will buy it. So they will give you. They will, nobody supervises you. I've never seen a parent who supervises a child that Because they know But then when you are carrying a glass, you even see that your parents are very selective on who they give the glass cup. When they give you, they even tell you, be careful with this cup. Because if it falls, it's all that we have in this house. And the Bible says that if we cleanse ourselves, if we deal with our morality part, we will cease to be the type of people God uses for mundane things. We are going to be the ones God uses for important things. Mulaif, brethren, they are important assignments. And they are uh, common assignments. There are assignments that anyone can do. 
but there are important assignments that only certain people can do. If we do not cleanse ourselves, we will only be doing common things. Common things like even an unbeliever can do it, and you are, you are doing it, and there's no show that you are, you, you are actually a believer because you are doing the same things. Probably they're even working hard and getting more results than you. But when we cleanse ourselves, what happens is that God begins to entrust us with important responsibilities. Biblical example. The Bible says one time God was thinking of destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says God thought to himself, ah, we can't go to Sodom and Gomorrah. I think we need to talk to Abraham. He's my friend. I need to let him know. And the Bible says God visited Abraham. And they started discussing. And Abraham noticed, I think God today is, is doing some wonderful things. Eh? He started asking God, can I ask you a question? And God answered the question. He said, ah, you have answered. Let me ask you another one. And they kept on talking. They kept on talking. They kept on talking. Why? It's because he was due for important things. The Bible says in the book of Numbers that there was an instance when Miriam and Aaron protested. No, we used to, we used to raise Moses. There is no way you, we were to Sambika Moses because Moses was younger than the two of them. This is not right. And God called for a meeting. Say, hey, keep quiet, sit here. You, when I want to talk to you, I speak to you in a dream. It means a dream is a common thing. Or I come to you in a vision. As much as we glorify visions, it's a common thing. But it says, when I come to Moses, I speak to him like a man speaks to his friend. Why? Moses was doing important things. Miriam and Aaron were doing common things. So when a person is seeing one or the other, you think that you, <laughs> you are uncommon. No, you are doing common things. When we make ourselves available in terms of holiness, God's begin to entrust us. He doesn't send a vision. Because a vision in Mongoka CD, video, video, you even thank God. But he begins to come himself. To everyone else, God used to send something. He sends a prophet, go and talk to that one. He sends a dream, uh, minister to this one in a dream. He sends, but when it came to Moses, because he had given himself in terms of character to the Lord, what does the Bible say? He was speaking to him like a man speaks to the friend. When I saw that scripture, I said, me, I don't want to, to just be prophesying. Me, I want to be speaking to God like a man speaks to a friend. Father, deliver me from failure to speak to you. And God told me, work on your character. Because if God manifested to you the way he manifested to Moses as a man speaks to a friend and you have a character flaw, the outcome will only be one. You would have died by the time he would have left. Because God's presence alone is enough to kill the presence of sin. The Bible says in him there is life. And that life is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. There is blessing, brethren, when we live a pure life. There is a blessing when we watch our character, because God will definitely become our friend. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. I think that's just what we had from your end today, you. and I think I will just take two questions from the audience. If there's anyone that has two quick questions, 
so that pastor can answer those questions even as, as, as we move on to the next segment. Two questions, only two questions. By show of hands, you can raise your hand if you'd like to ask a question. All right, it seems we, it's crystal clear, right? So let's just give Pastor another hand, even as he goes back to take his seat. So thank you so much. Thank you for paying attention. Thank you for listening in. And just, you know, we've learned a lot. I have learned so much. You can wave if you've learned so much. It's been helpful, hasn't it? Yes, and would, like, would you like us to have another discussion? All right, thank you so much for your time. This is all that we had today. Please stay blessed and enjoy the rest of the summit. God bless you.